Welcome to Worship Quest Wednesdays. Today we are joined by Jeff Barker and Brianne Christensen. Our topic for this episode is renewing scripture in worship. Let me introduce the two of them to you. Jeff Barker is a professor in the doctoral program at the Robert E. Weber Institute for Worship Studies in Jacksonville, Florida. He is also Professor Emeritus of Theater and Worship Arts at Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa, where he taught starting in 1988. He holds an MA in Theater Performance from Northern Illinois University and an MFA in Theater Directing from University of South Dakota. He is an elder in the Reformed Church in America and was a worship leader on staff for many years at Trinity Reformed Church in Orange City. He has directed dozens of plays taken directly from scripture, including Joseph and his brothers, David and Goliath, and Jonah and the giant fish. His musicals developed directly from scripture include And God Said, which was created with Broadway composer Ron Melrose. Another Bible musical was the industrial rock musical Terror Text, with composers Heather Jocelyn Cranson and Joseph Barker. Jeff's screenwriting credits include feature films, The Frontier Boys and Of Minor Prophets, which is a, a modern story inspired by the book of Hosea. Uh, we all have written a musical on the book of Hosea, by the way. Uh, Jeff is a playwright with dozens of performed scripts to his credit, including the play Kin, the Trial of Carrie Buck, which won the Iowa Playwrights Competition. His books include The Storytelling Church, right here. This is a great book, great work. Everyone get this book, The Storytelling Church, uh, performing the plays of the Bible, co-authored with Tom Bohart, and a trilogy of biographical books about missionary Arlene Schoudeman. Is that how you say Scheidemann. it? Scheidemann, yeah, Dutch name, Scheidemann. Jeff was the Carnegie Foundation's Iowa Professor of the Year in 2006. He's married to actress Karen Baumbarker, and they have three children. Jeff, thanks for being here with us. It's great to be here, Stephen. Thank you for inviting me. Welcome. And Brianne, Brianne Christensen, is in her sixth year of ministry in the Presbyterian Church USA. She received her Master of Divinity from Western Theological Seminary, in Holland, Michigan, and her CPE training at Washington Regional Medical Center in Fayetteville, Arkansas. She studied theater and worship under Jeff Barker at Northwestern College and has incorporated scripture performance into her worship practice and preaching. Brianne served in youth and a young adult ministry in the Presbytery of Arkansas on both the local church and mid-council level, where she co-founded the Word Out Loud with her husband, J.M. Christensen. Brianne is a minister of word and sacrament, currently serving in Glacier Presbytery as a spiritual care director at the Village Senior Residence in Missoula, Montana. Thanks for being here, Brianne. You're welcome. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation because I just love the idea of reading God's word aloud. Uh, especially when it comes to worshiping together as the body of Christ. Um, in a 2005 journal article on worship priorities, 
Constance Cherry offered the results of a study she performed, which included visiting a variety of churches of different denominations, different practices over a 16-month period in different locations throughout the United States. Uh, she sat in each worship service with a stopwatch. This was uh, right at the beginning of what Apple iPhones. I don't even know if they were out in 2005, uh, but she had an actual stopwatch and she recorded the time spent on every worship element. And her finding is very interesting. Um, in particular, when it comes to scripture reading outside of the sermon, what's read within the, the time for the sermon, but scripture reading in the traditional church service uh, was comprised of 5% of the service. Okay. The contemporary worship service was just 2% of the worship service. Prayer wasn't all that much uh, better you know, but the announcements in the worship service of a traditional service took up 11% of the service compared to 5% of scripture reading. And in the contemporary worship service, it was 7% of time compared to 2% of scripture reading in the contemporary service. I've heard it said that if you want to find out what someone considers to be important, look at where they spend their time and their money, right? So after looking at where these churches spent their time, Cherry titled her article, My House Shall Be Called a House of Announcements. <laughs> Ouch. Um, I think maybe we should be doing a better job of praying and reading scripture in church. Now, that article and that study was done in 2005. Fast forward to 2021. As we sit here today, I'm not sure it's changed much. Mm -hmm. uh, just in, in my experience of traveling and teaching and doing ministry. Um, so I want to talk about scripture in worship and how do we renew scripture mm -hmm. in worship? Um, or maybe a better way of saying that is how do we help to make the reading of scripture uh, a better priority for our worshipers when we gather. So Jeff, why don't you start us off with telling us um, this idea of scripture presentation yeah. or, or, or the performing of scripture. What is yeah. that? And then I'd like to unpack maybe why it's important and how it can play into you know, all of this. Sure. What it is, is simply communicating the scripture um, attempting to capture some of the original practices and intent of the scripture when it was created. We have, we have the Bible in this book form, but Jesus and his disciples didn't walk around with books. Mm. They carried the scripture in their heart mm. and, and in their mouths, in their bodies, in their memories. Um, <clears throat> And consequently, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached his sermon, uh, nearly half of what he said was taken from what we call the Old Testament. Yeah. The, um, some scholars believe that a rabbi of Jesus' stature 
would have memorized the entirety of the Old Testament by the time that he had grown to maturity about age 30. And so what we're talking about is presenting scripture in worship. In a, it, we need to model for one another placing scripture in our hearts. This past Sunday at our church, the pastor at the beginning or the preacher of the day at, at the beginning of the service or the beginning of the sermon time said, um, today we're focusing on Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. Jeff and Karen, would you come and recite that passage? And we stood up and recited the passage. That's what we're talking about is, is trying to model for one another a practice, a regular discipline of hiding God's word in our heart and then including that in our worship services. Mm -hmm. So if we go off that study that Cherry did and we say, okay, we should have more scripture in the services, what would you say, Brian, what would you say the benefit is between just opening up the pages of the Bible and reading versus what we're talking about with a scripture presentation or performance? Well, I actually think it comes to the heart of the worship leader, because when you're memorizing the scripture or just, it, or the first step to memorizing is spending enough time that you can read it well, um, it is living within you. And what happens when you spend time in scripture is that you grow to love scripture. And so if someone just opens the word and is just reading it, um, you can you can tell a difference between if it, if it's something they value or not, like you said, where you spend your time. And so as there's an incredible value to have someone up front that uh, loves the word of God to the point that they're willing to spend a, a sacrifice their time to know it well enough. Um, yeah, I like that. And, and there's a whole, whole realm of individual benefits on that, obviously, but People sense if you're genuine or not, and they want more. If you're reading a story well, they're going to want to hear more of that story. Um, and the, the beauty of research, the resurgence of scripture performance and presentation is that our society is becoming more and more story-based. Um, people don't really read books anymore. Um, they tell stories. TikTok is an app all about telling stories in short form. And so as we move, we have this beauty of in our churches of people want to hear story again. They want to hear well-told text. So let's, let's give the, there, there were, I feel like we're circling back to uh, a story-based culture and right. the artists and the scripture performers can capitalize on that. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's funny that you mentioned TikTok because I have an 18-year-old son and a 15-year-old son. And so I was telling my 15-year-old, I want to do something for Worship Quest Ministries on video that I could put on YouTube or something that's going to grab people's attention um, and help them engage. Because I, I want people to engage with what worship is and how to think deeper about worship and all that stuff. And he said, Dad, if you want to do that, you have to do shorts. Right? That's what YouTube calls their videos that are under a minute. He said, you do a YouTube short. 
And I said, okay. So I started doing that actually, um, looking at songs or hymns that are paraphrases of the Psalms. And so yeah. I did do a little bit, hey, did you know this is based on a Psalm? And it's getting all kinds of hits. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then when I think about like scripture presentation, and it comes back to, well, some of these passages can be pretty long, yeah. right? They're not shorts, but I think it comes back to what you just said, that if you have someone who is really passionate about this, has really spent time and is falling in love with scripture, then you want to hear more, right? You, you don't want it to stop. It's like, keep telling me you're a good storyteller and I want to hear the story. So how, can we unpack that a little bit more? Like why, why would someone sit and listen to a long passage or if we're doing some sort of scripture presentation, um, why would they sit and listen to something long when we're forcing our culture into short 30 second snippets? Like what are the benefits of this? Well, if it's a story, it carries its hook with it. Um, a certain man was heading down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among bandits, who both stripping him and laying on blows went away, leaving him half dead. That's the hook. Right. And the listener wants to hear the rest of that story. Yeah. And Jesus did that again and again. The scripture says he 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 was always telling parables and obviously we don't have all of his parables but we've got a lot of them and and for the most part they're short some of them are going to be five six minutes long but if they are well told the congregation's going to want to hear the rest of the story mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you have like, obviously other narratives, I would say if if you're first starting out performing prophets or performing even poetry, maybe is a little more of a challenge, but doable. Um, but I always, I'm a preacher and I always go back to this, that um, one of my professors, I think it was Professor Dr. Carol Bechtel would say that a, a scripture well-read is a sermon half preached. And I, I live by that because the scripture, <laughs> what you have on your side is the Holy Spirit. And so if you're giving them the word of God verbatim, the word does not return void. And so put your work into presenting the word well and don't, as another one of my teachers would say, uh, Tim Brown would say, don't kill the Holy Spirit. Let the word speak. Um, and just put it out there because it is, that is the beautiful piece of the Holy Spirit's work that you're not alone in telling the story. And so you'll find that something you didn't think would hold the attention so long gains power by nature of it being the story. Um, we just don't always tell the whole story. Um, we like to say two verses at a time and you know what? It's really interesting to know what the rest of the verses around those two verses we know are. Um, yeah. So I, as a preacher, I, I like to say, okay, 
how how much of the story can I tell and how much do I have to add to help this story live even more? Sometimes that's not much. Sometimes the context doesn't translate so well and you need a little more to help the story land into today's society. But um, yeah, trust the Holy Spirit's work and put the word out there in church. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. So just so part of what we're... I was just going to say, Stephen, part of what we're talking about is, um, well, what Brianne has already said is taking the time to, pre is to prepare well. Mm -hmm. It's not simply a matter of filling the air with a greater percentage of words. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Then we will get into trouble and there will be a, a disrespecting of God's word, a disrespecting of the Holy Spirit if we're simply speaking a lot of words mm -hmm. it, there must be preparation Brianne was on a team when she was in college that performed stories from the old testament what we call the plays of the old testament and um and so it was a group presentation because they were enacting the characters in these old testament stories verbatim mm -hmm. from the scripture but uh, the Calvin Worship Institute invited our team to come to their annual symposium. And we participated in every worship service presenting an Old Testament play. And at right before the final worship service, a young woman came up to me and she said, Jeff, I just wanna say thank you for your team's presentation of the scripture in our worship services. And I said, thank you, you're welcome. And, and she said, this is the first time in my life I have ever looked forward to the scripture reading part of worship. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what we want. We want mm -hmm. people to yeah. come to worship expectant about the scripture presentation part of worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Jeff drilled into me as a, young in ministry that he would he would just look at the team and he'd say imagine imagine if the scripture was the climax of the worship service and that really stuck good to me and i was like you know what i can do something about that <laughs> and so uh, as a who's i've worked in a church for the last six years and so i always think you give me something, well, I'm going to see what I can do to make the scripture the thing that everybody is looking to. Because again, that's our power. And that is what calls us out from the worship service. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In many of our churches, we have allied scripture or, or segregated scripture to the sermon time. Mm -hmm. And the point of scripture is to read it all together off the big screens and then have the preacher unpack what we just read. That's not what we're talking about either. We're talking about a presentation of scripture that is powerful in its own right. Mm -hmm. And consequently, it can be part of the sermon, but it can also just have a place in the worship service. And music then can come alongside that scripture and support the meaning of the scripture. Prayer. The scripture can lead us to prayer, to submission, to, to hope, to repentance, to great joy, to offerings. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there, there are so many ways that scripture can help us in our worship planning. Yeah, yeah. my it also can take the place of the sermon occasionally. Uh, my husband and I uh, run a word out loud of, of teaching and scripture performance ministry together. And we've done some working with our churches where they'll preach a sermon series and we say, okay, let us, give us the texts. So each week um, a, a pastor would preach and before they preached, instead of the scripture reading, he or I would perform the story. Um, and we did like Philippians and Ephesians. So these are just the letters of Paul. Um, and then we convinced the, the church that said, hey, the last Sunday of the sermon series, we'll finish the book preaching and give us one more Sunday. And then we kept the word in our hearts. And instead of having a sermon, we just delivered the book and we would pause, we'd do a piece and then we'd pause and sing a song and then we'd do some more and sing. And it was really meaningful to our community to live, um, live within the scripture texts that we had been living in and hear it in its entirety, be reminded of the pieces we loved from January now that it's March. Um, yeah, exactly. And the, the incorporating of singing and prayer within a text yeah. helps the congregation respond because yeah, you want to be part of the story. So let's give you a song you all know to sing with us, or let's teach you a repeated phrase and invite you to say it with us, or let's lead into prayer. Because um, worship is a transaction, not tr transaction, that's not the word I want to use, but it's an exchange of the worship leaders, the congregation, back and forth dialoguing with God, um, celebrating this relationship that we have. Yeah, that's a great way to wrap up a, a sermon series, right? Because some series, I mean, it could go, if you're preaching through a book, it could be six months since you first started or something, right? Mm -hmm. And you come back and you do this summary of reading through every verse in that mm -hmm. book interspersed with other readings or mm -hmm. songs or whatever it may be. I think it's a great way to put a cap on it. Yeah. Jeff, I'm sorry. We both started talking. No, about uh, I was just going to affirm what are the things that, that Brienne just said, which is that when scripture is communicated well, we will remember it months later. Yeah. Not necessarily every word of it, but we will remember much of its power because that comes through in the presentation. Yeah, really good. Mm -hmm. So we set a foundation, but I want to make sure that we are absolutely clear as to what we mean when we say scripture presentation. So what are some of the forms of scripture presentation? What are options that we can do? What, what does this look like? What are we talking about here? Hmm. <laughs> Brienne, go first. Well, um, there's many, so we could just start showing some ideas. Uh, one that's uh, I found easy, especially working with children, is taking up a taking a text and giving different voices different lines. So like the whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think on these things. Each kid, each child says a line and all together you say, think on these things. That's, That's an incredibly memorable way to share that Philippians text. Yeah. That's great. Really good. When um, Karen and I were on sabbatical in Oak Harbor, Washington, our pastor there, really loved the 
memorization of scripture and he memorized his preaching text every Sunday and presented wow. it from memory. But he he wanted to get other people involved. And so he asked us to take some leadership in collecting groups and getting them involved. And we did similar to what Brianne just described. Um, I'll give you this quick example. One Sunday, the text was the Ten Commandments. And so we had one person who was the narrator setting up the text. And then there were 10 people standing on the platform and they stepped forward to the microphone and spoke each of the commandments. And the sixth commandment, you shall not kill, was spoken by a four-year-old boy. Wow. He could speak that powerfully and poignantly because um, just because he was prepared well. He, his mom was standing next to him. She was taking the next commandment. And, um, and so everybody of every generation can get involved in the presentation of scripture from their hearts. Yeah. And you also don't have to be a person who could memorize or feels, or feels comfortable saying things out loud. Um, we've, you can also have one reader or one narrator speak the whole text and have people supplement through different, um, like a frozen image. We call that a tableau. Um, you could have someone paint while you're telling a story. You could have someone dance. Um, if you just think of the different uh, ways that artists respond, look in your congregation or your circle and say, what talents do I have here? How can we combine that with the well-reading, well-presenting of God's word? And you'll find the different talents bring out something you had you would never have thought of. Right. Yeah, that's great. I've already mentioned the plays of the Bible, and Stephen mentioned a book that Tom Bogart Tom Bogart and I did together performing the plays of the Bible. Brianne was one of the initial editors on that book. And that tells the story of seven ancient Hebrew dramas. And the, those are presented in a variety of ways in that book. And so there's an, another um, variety of, of approaches that can be done by groups of people in the presentation of scripture. So I'm hearing this can be done by people of various ages, yes. of um, various sizes, right? It could be one person, two, three, a large group, yeah. which I think is probably one of the greatest benefits of doing scripture presentation rather than just opening the Bible and reading is that usually is done by one person up front. And a lot of times it's one of the leaders or a pastor that you always see. This actually includes more people from the congregation. Right. Yeah. And some of, many of our churches have praise teams or worship teams. And those are multi-group teams. We're simply, and some, some churches have choirs still. Mm -hmm. We're simply saying, consider whether or not a group of people can speak scripture together. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I've never really thought of it that way. But you have the worship team, which is normally thought of as the music team. Right. You can have a scripture team. Yeah. 
Then you have the choir, which sings the word, but have a scripture choir. Yes. That yeah. presents the yeah. word, right? Yeah. yeah, that's great. Good. Um, so what makes this so different from what the church has been doing for all these years, over the centuries? I think it's important for us to remember how we got to the Bible as a book. It, it was the first 1,500 years of the church's life that we, people did not have books. They heard scripture or they remembered scripture or there were uh, just certain groups of people who were able, who were literate and could read and present scripture. And then of course, if we go back in time before the time of Christ, before the establishing of the church, the, the ancient Hebrews were oral people. They, they kept these stories alive orally. Mm -hmm. There obviously were scrolls and the stories were, were guarded, but in terms of the people in their homes and in their, in their ordinary life, this was an oral process. It was kept alive because it was taught to them orally. Mm -hmm. And so this business of having an actual Bible in print is a, a fairly recent phenomenon. And, and so we need to remember that, um, that the power of the scripture is not dependent on reading it as one person privately or even reading it as one person publicly, mm -hmm. that, um, that we can go back and learn about the scripture itself as a, as a performance document. And performance is a tricky word to use. Yeah. It, uh, it's kind of one of the bad words because mm -hmm. it, it feels like we're trying to be showy with the scripture, but um but there is an organization called Biblical Performance Criticism, mm -hmm. who is, it, this is a group of very, very serious scholars who are, are investing in reclaiming the values that we gain when the scripture is spoken aloud, when it's seen and heard and felt, mm -hmm. not only heard. And, um, and so, um, folks watching this conversation can just do a quick Google search on biblical performance criticism and discover a, a wealth of resources, very serious-minded scholars who are trying to reclaim what the church has lost by limiting the Bible to its book form. Yeah. yeah. I was in Ukraine I believe it was May of 2019 and introduced scripture presentation uh, to them at a conference. And it was a phenomenal experience for me. You know, I've been doing some of this for, for many years within my own church settings and in some conferences here in the States, but then to go to Ukraine where I don't speak their language and most of them don't speak my language and they have no idea what this scripture presentation is so how to 
communicate that to them and then actually rehearse a presentation of scripture. And we started, um, we had three days at a conference and I was asked to do four presentations, one for every morning session. And then we did a closing session presentation. And so we started very basic with just a reader's theater, divide up the scripture to four different voices, have them speak together in a couple different spots. And we did that and it was, it was really done well. So well that the audience erupted in applause after yeah. the scripture reading. Yeah. And this was very, um, <laughs> this was not the norm for the Ukraine where they came out of, you know, former Soviet Union and, and, and especially the reading of scripture in a church worship setting was uh, very somber you know, and very yeah, serious. So yeah. for them to erupt into applause was something. And then the next one we did uh, was Psalm 118. We incorporated uh, some percussion and a female singing voice on oohs and ahs behind different mm -hmm. parts of it. Mm -hmm. And again, erupted in applause. The yeah. third one we did incorporated the audience uh, singing a chorus and a violin mm -hmm. playing along. So just kind of building a little bit as we went. Yeah. And the final one, which was really fun for me, was uh, we said, you've seen these first three presentations every morning. If you want to learn how you can do this, come out to the last session, the breakout session, and we're going to put one together. We're going to put one together together. We're yeah. going to do it. And you, you can work on putting this together. And I decided to do the story of the Good Samaritan. So I'm thinking through ahead and I think, okay, we need at least maybe 12 people to pull this off, you know, narrator, the Jesus voice, the lawyer voice who questions the person who gets beat up, the Levi, the Pharisee, you know, going through the innkeeper, all of this. We, if we can have 12 people, that'd be good. And I show up and there are three people sitting there and I thought, oh no. And I'm thinking as I'm greeting each of them, <laughs> what am I going to do? What other story can we do? How can we do this? Uh, within 10 minutes, there were 22 people there. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is really cool. So we put together the Good Samaritan and they did a wonderful job. It was a tablet, uh, essentially, with the readers, mm -hmm. three different readers. Nice. Yeah. And after that session, I had a gentleman come up to me. I would guess he was late 60s. And he said to me, I've been a Christian all my life. I've been a senior pastor of a church most of my life. So I would imagine that's probably 40 years, 50 years or so. And he said, this was the first time scripture has ever come alive to me like this. And I yeah. thought, that's why we do this. Right. Yeah. Uh, we can open up the Bible. We can read from the Bible. I think that's a great way to incorporate more scripture reading. I'm not saying that's bad at all. Uh, but if we believe that scripture can actually form people spiritually, it actually renews our minds and transforms our inner beings. Yeah. Um, doing something like a scripture presentation can be really powerful for people, you know, yeah. to really uh, hear scripture anew, to see scripture anew, to feel scripture, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's a big benefit to what we're doing and what we're talking about here. Yeah.
And there's a great benefit for the congregation, but the greatest benefit is for the presenter. Mm. Can you unpack that a little bit? Sure. Um, <laughs> the, um, the wonderful man, Tim Brown, who's been a mentor to both Brianne and me, once said, um, if you will memorize the scripture, you can throw the commentaries away. And he was being hyperbolic. Of course, he's, he's not opposed to biblical scholarship. But, um, but what he's saying is that the memorizer has to come to an understanding of the scripture that is so rich that it will aid the preaching of that passage wonderfully. It will aid the understanding of that passage. There's so many ways that the passage becomes clear, clearer to the person who is, um, who is memorizing it. I'll give you a quick example. I'm working on Isaiah 40 right now. That is the, the entire chapter is our Advent text through the, the um, Sundays of Advent. And so we had the, um, the initial section, um, Isaiah 41 through 11 this past Sunday. And I began memorizing the first two verses. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid. And I came to the next phrase, which is that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And as I, as I read that phrase, I thought, what kind of God is comfort is this that a God would would make her pay double for her sins. And I, I looked at some other translations and they were even harsher in their understanding of that text. And then finally I thought, oh no, remember the whole thing that's being said, her penalty is paid. Is paid by whom? Her? No, we cannot pay our own penalty. We need someone to pay it for us. And so then I figured a, a simple gesture that would clarify that final phrase she has received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. Let me see if you can see me here. You can. She has received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I... It, it took me two or three days of struggling with that passage mm -hmm. to get to that understanding. Now it seems self-evident. Of course, this is, this is about comfort because of grace. Right, yeah. and, and it's now clear to me, but it wasn't clear to me initially. Wow. Yeah, yeah when, when I was in uh, college, I was, of course, in the stage where you're asking questions and deciding what faith is faith of your parents is going to be your faith. And at the same time, I was um, going through a lot of mental health struggles. And so I had this, I would say my old faith had a lot of feelings based on it, but my old faith was also very grounded in memorizing scripture. 
And I loved scripture. So I got into college and I was like, I don't know. I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I don't know what to do because the way that I used to practice faith doesn't really work. And then I got surrounded by scripture performers and we memorized texts and then we just wrestled with them and we let the questions be in the room and in a space where you're asking so many questions, it was a space where I felt like I could find God because God created a book that allowed for questions and it allowed for many, uh, many ways of understanding God to to coexist and clash. And in the end of the day, find the beauty back in the word of God, even if we didn't quite have the answers. And I probably pushed Jeff a lot in college because I wanted answers and he would just be like, nope, 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 live in the text. Um, But I realized, so then fast forward years later, I'm writing my thesis for um, uh, seminary graduation. And I, I'm getting stressed because I'm saying, oh, I don't know theology. Oh, you know, inferiority complex, probably normal when you're writing your thesis. And I'm listening to uh, Jeff and Tom Bogart um, talk about their uh, their book that just came out that Jeff mentioned earlier. I am forgetting the title, The Stories of... Performing the Plays of the Bible. Thank you. <laughs> Performing the Plays of the Bible. And Tom Bogart says something like, well, deep in the core of our theology is a love of scripture and a willingness to hold scripture and let the questions live. And that leads us into faith. And it was just this moment where I was like, God was like, see, I had you all along. See, you are, you do know what you are called to. You, you, you do know that you're called. You do understand. You can speak theologically. And for me, what you would call performance criticism led to the rich theology that I have that I love to share in ministry. And so I would put a word of caution. If you're going to perform scripture, be ready to be challenged, be ready to live in the tension of, of scripture, no longer feeling so straightforward, but the end of the journey is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, scripture is the best educator of theology, right? <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, speak for a moment, either of you, on the idea we're talking about scripture presentation or scripture performance. How do we keep it from just turning into a theatrical performance? Because it still is the word of God, right? We need to honor and revere the word of God. I've had multiple people I'm working with and they said, oh, well, what if I did this accent, you know, here? Yeah, or yeah, or right. we should we really get some biblical costumes, you know, since we're doing this? How do we, you know, walk that line between performance for, in that, not negative word, but you know what I mean, to where it's just yeah. more of an act versus yeah. actually communicating the word of God? The first step is to, ask what does this text want to be in terms of its genre Mm -hmm. is it a story is it a song is it a poem is it a play and if it's a play then we can lead harder we can lean harder into performance people can can fully enact the characters in the play 
but um, but if it's a letter from the book of Philippians, um, or it's Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, then um, I would say the question is, how can I, as the presenter of this letter, speak it in a way that honors the Lord well, honors Paul well, not, not that I'm suggesting for a moment that I should pretend to be Paul, but, um, but I, I want to try to present it in a way that I reveal to you that I love this scripture, and I can also reveal to you how this scripture has impacted me. Okay. Um, the, the phrase I use for that is Bible as testimony. So it's the presentation of scripture as my own personal testimony, mm -hmm. sharing with you how this scripture is working on my own heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a beautiful thing because Jeff's testimony will be different than my testimony, yeah. which will be different than Stephen's testimony. Yeah. So it, it, you can see how, you know, one text may, I may find it joyful and funny and want to welcome everybody into that. And Jeff may want to welcome us into the, um, you know, the sadness in the text and they're both there. Um, so go, so what, yeah, what is your, what is your heart living in that week and communicate that through sharing it and let somebody else the next time when the Holy Spirit is drawing their heart to a different testimony, let that testimony live as well. And therefore, the scripture never gets old because every time you get a new testimony. That's right. That's good. How important is it to, let me back up, if the scripture presentation is there to complement the sermon and it's not the sermon, mm -hmm. how important is it to communicate with the preacher to be able to determine what testimony you want to give, right? I mean, if yeah. the preacher's taking it that this is a joyful passage, but you come out with your testimony, which brings out the lament mm -hmm. in the passage, yeah. uh, you know, there's conflict there for the congregation. It's crucially important, of course, Stephen. Um, I had a pastor um, many, many years ago who, who would write his sermons on Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. And um, and we it was not a lectionary church, so the scripture text was was not known ahead of time. But he would catch me right after Sunday school time and say, "Jeff, would you read the text today before the sermon?" And I would say, "Okay." And I I, I became kind of aware that this might happen, and, and so I would race into the bathroom and go into the back of the, of the bathroom where I could have a private moment and, and, and go through the text and, um, and prepare as much as I possibly could. Mm. And then I would present the text. And um, I'm pretty sure they were not good preparations, but I was mature enough that I could present fairly well. But there were several Sundays that I sensed I had just preached a different sermon than he had prepared. And, um, and I was, I was too young. I, I wasn't, 
wise enough to be able to take the pastor aside and say, we've gotten into really bad habits here and we need to change. Um, but there, there does need to be preparation ahead of time. And that preparation needs to include a conversation between the, the preacher and the presenter. Otherwise it would be best if, if the preacher simply presented their own text. But it's, it's the same that you would do or should do with all the other elements of worship. You have a conversation with the, the music leaders and they pick songs based on, okay, this is a celebration Sunday. This is the first Sunday of Advent and we're focusing on hope. This is stewardship Sunday and we're focusing on giving our time and talents to God. Like that is normal. So we're just advocating for including the scripture, thinking about the scripture presentation as side by side with all of that other worship planning, because we know you're already having the meeting. That's right. Yeah, that's great. One of the biggest struggles I have had is helping people understand how important it is for the scripture presentation team to actually rehearse in the space. Yes. You know, we'll, we will give the worship team an hour and a half to sound check and rehearse and then get frustrated that the scripture team wants five minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just really helping people to see, look, we, we've got to carve out time for them to practice in the space on microphones yep. the yep. morning of so that we're ready because we are presenting the very words of God. This is important. And this of course is a very long journey, establishing patterns that, um, that will be a blessing to all people involved. Um, that's gonna take some time. And so simply start slowly and carefully and maybe plan six months in advance for one longer chunk of scripture and let the team go to work on that. And then in, in smaller ways, week after week, simply have one of the music team members step out from behind the microphone stand and speak a scripture verse, just a single verse from memory, from their heart. Um, we can begin to model scripture from the heart right away, but then, um, then a, a more carefully prepared, pres- longer presentation can uh, can be done not every week, but um, but every few months. Great, yeah, let, that's a great transition, Jeff. Let's talk about some specifics. So if I'm here, I'm listening to this conversation and I'm thinking, this is great. I would love to do this at my church, but I don't have enough money in my budget to fly Jeff Barker or Brianne Christensen out to my church (laughs) to lead us in this. So how do I implement this in my worship service? Where should I start? Yeah, I think you started, you know, a little bit there with, you know, start small and slow, you know, go slow. Um, probably communication is a key, right? Talking to people, letting them know what's happening and why we're doing this, you know, sharing some vision. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think one of the easiest ways to do scripture presentation is just have someone memorize a passage and present it. It's yeah. easy because it's just one person and they can rehearse and practice on their own, you know, and do it themselves. 
and here's a, here's a tip, Stephen. There are people in our congregations right now that already have long passages memorized yeah. and they have been carrying them with them throughout their lives. And there might even be a testimony as to why that passage is so important to them. Mm -hmm. And those are treasures for us to simply begin to ask some of the more mature people in our congregation who might think, oh, I could never be on the music team or I, I couldn't sing in the choir. Maybe I'm even, uh, I'm lacking enough energy to be a greeter even these days. But my 96 year old mother-in-law would have a passage right now to share with the congregation. And, um, and so just, just begin to look around our congregations and uh, harvest those treasures that are there. Yeah. That's yeah. You also can use sync songs. This, there is an incredible amount of scripture people already know that they don't know they know because it's in our hymns and our lexicon of songs. So why not find the song that they love? Um, and then why not sing and then pause and share, have somebody, even the pastor, someone who knows, share the verses those are from and then sing it again. Oh, yeah. And suddenly they'll go, oh, I know that scripture. That's and um, there's lots, lots of things. Yes. Look, yeah. Look around your room and see what you have. I also worked hard to cultivate the love outside of the worship service. Uh, I served in youth ministry for years and we rarely just me read a text to students because that's not going to work. Uh, they are tuned out in the first two sentences. Yep. Um, one time, so I would often take the text we were reading that night and divide it up and we'd read it in the room. It's not a presentation that anybody else wants to be involved in, but it is a way that we are living in the text. At yeah. um, one time we did the, uh, the um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal story. Mm -hmm. And I gave one of my, uh, uh, he's like 15, one of like 15 year old high school boys said, okay, you're, the, you're Elijah's servant. He doesn't have any lines, I don't think. Um, but we had props and popsicle sticks, stuff we had found around the room. And so we're reading this story and he's getting annoyed because Elijah keeps saying, dump more water, dump more water. And he was a younger kid in youth group. So like a pillow was thrown across the room at one point, but he dumped the water. And the next week I asked, I him, what did we talk about last week? And that kid who never answered raised his hand. He was like, it's the story where you had to dump all the water. <laughs> nice. and I was like, yes, yep. it is. <laughs> and, That's great. and he remembered it because we interacted with the story in a way that was, that tapped into movement and right. engaged in a different level. And I bet he, I bet he remembered more of the story than he thought, but he was too cool to tell it. So of it's the course. water story for yeah. him. And it is a water hey, story. <laughs> Yeah, I think scripture present um, uh, scripture readers theater uh, is a an easy thing to do too. I mean, even as it's just very simple, here are three or four readers break it up into three or four different parts and have it read. I think that's a really simple way to do presentation. And it might be helpful for people to think of categories of group performance readers theater 
the the reason that word theater is there is because usually there are characters who are being enacted in the story. It could also be what's called a choral reading. It's basically a voice, a, a speaking choir. And so that, that might work really well for a psalm or for a prophecy, for poetry in the scripture, when a particular weight can be added to certain themes in the story by adding multiple voices, right. um, adding choral weight or speaking weight mm -hmm. to that choral reading. And then, of course, enactment and the enactment of a, of a, a story or a play in the Bible can be fully enacted, but it, but it can also be, as we've mentioned, um, simple tableaus, just three or four simple images. So you're not enacting the whole story, you're just enacting part of the story or little pieces of the story. Um, and I happened upon this particular tableau style I don't know, Brienne, if you saw it at the seminary last spring, but um, but we did a the water from the rock story, and I had different individuals in the story take their positions all at the same time. So there's like six different people on the platform, and the the narrator is able to walk to different individuals and speak the the narration of the story near them showing that they represent this part of the story. Oh, yeah. That could be an interesting way to present a Bible story too, pretty simply. Yeah, that's great. I think another good way to slowly incorporate it is on special Sundays, you know, Pentecost Sunday, a great yeah. time to use, you know, different languages, you know, in a reading yeah. or, uh, the season of Advent, you know, you're already doing kind of a special Sunday, each of those four Sundays of Advent to add in a scripture presentation won't seem so weird, you know, because no, oh, no, this is a special time. But then once you begin to see it and you get familiar with it, then you can incorporate it in other times of the year as well. Our, our church in Arkansas sort of developed a sort of tradition of of telling one of the narratives of Easter at the start of the Easter service, no announcements, no music, just someone would stand up and say, on the first day of the week, while well, it was still dark, mm -hmm. Mary and the other Mary came to the tomb. And we'd, you know, we'd finish and it's like six verses. And then, of course, I'm, it's a traditional Presbyterian church with the big big brass and choir and then all of a sudden the choir sings and it was a very powerful way like let's start let's tell the easter story on easter this is why yeah. we're here yeah that's great so people were actually there on time then what you're saying because i'm in southern california and no one gets no, it's the south time. i mean it was five minutes after the service was supposed to start good um well i think we should begin wrapping up here um do you have any final thoughts anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to say or anything to encourage people that are have been watching this and been thinking about scripture um i would 
simply add this reminder that theologically worship is God reveals himself and we respond. And that dance of revelation and response happens so well when we return to the scripture and include more of the scripture powerfully so, meaningfully so, relevantly so in our worship services. And I would add to that, that there's no perfect way to share the scripture. And because God reveals God's self through God's people, each person has a unique way of sharing God's face. So just start. Don't be afraid to do about doing the right thing. We need each one of your voices in the church and in the presentation of scripture. So just start and tell your testimony. Amen. Good word. Jeff, will you close us in a time of prayer? I would love to. God who has spoken to us, God who has provided the Bible, provided stories and plays and songs and poems, we love you and we're so grateful for the scripture. Help us to honor it well and thereby honor you well and thereby learn more about you. Help our honoring of the scripture to be part of our worship Sunday by Sunday. May this not be a burden. Help us to be yoked to you and you will make the burden light because we're yoked to you. We're following you and learning from you. Help us to carry this well with each other. And I'm so grateful for the work of Brianne and Stephen, mm-hmm. as well as so many others who are going to be watching this video. I pray that you would bless them and their ministries and help us in our in the various churches that you've called us to, to be effective witnesses of the way that your, your holy word has interacted in our own lives. Help us to be a good witness to that. In the name of Jesus the Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.